Elrod, welcome to March. Is it March? Oh, yeah, it is March. It is Almost. March. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. A lot, lot of news is going to happen in March, I think. We're going to find out a lot about this race by the end of the month. Well, we are because this is the end. The end of March is the end of the first quarter in any fundraising cycle. Um, a lot of candidates will decide to get in toward the end of this quarter um, so that they can be in a very good spot to raise a lot of money in the second quarter. So it's going to be very interesting to see what shakes out the next few weeks. Yep, yep. And to help us figure out what's going to shake out in the next few weeks and over the rest of this campaign is Tiffany Cross. She is the managing editor, curator, and publisher of The Beat newsletter. She was also at the NEA. She was at the. She was at BET. She was at CNN. She worked at uh, a polling firm called Brilliant Stra- uh, Brilliant Corners, Corners yeah. which which uh, our buddy uh, Cornell Belcher runs. And uh, and she's also a regular fixture on TV on MSNBC uh, as a uh, as one of their analysts. So Tiffany, welcome to the show. Welcome to Thanks the. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's about time I got on here. <laughs> <laughs> We've been dying to get you. I've been dying to come on, so thanks for the invite. Well, thank you for coming. And for those of you who probably obviously can't see what Tiffany's wearing right now, her fingernails match her hot pink lipstick, her hot pink fingernails, and her hot. Thank you. Fabulous. And she's got a badass leather jacket on. Yes, she does. I was just saying, Adrian, you weren't in the room, but I was saying when you do you do MSNBC as Mm -hmm. well, and when you do TV for a few days, they put all this makeup on your face. They do. And today, I didn't do any TV, and uh, you know. I was looking in the mirror and I had no TV makeup on. I was like, why didn't anybody tell me I was so ugly? Oh, <laughs> please. Oh, come on. Oh, come come on. on. She is being TV, silly, they do people. The beautiful glam makeup. And today it's just like, oh, this is what I look like. I'm like, this is my, my normal. Well, you look fantastic. <laughs> thank what you, you're doing thank is you. working. So thank you so much for joining us today. I'm actually surprised she came because I, I thought the only reason why she would come would be if my dog, Sam, was here. I've been begging. First of all, I IG stalk Doug Thornell. I don't think I like any pictures if your dog is not in it. Like, I'm all constantly looking for the dog photos. Elrod's and, uh, Sam, Sam is so him. cute. Yeah. I'm like, I'm dying to meet. I have not been fortunate enough to meet this dog. I'm, I begged him to bring the dog today. He sent me a text when I was on my way over that the dog was not here. I took my time. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy loves girls. He loves girls. He's a player, mm-hmm. He's a player. Yeah. He's a player. I'm yeah. dying to meet him. I'm going to make out with him consensually. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Well, <laughs> next time you're on, we'll have him here. Please. We please. should do a podcast, yeah, podcast episode from your place in Potomac. Yeah, and we'll just I'm like, down to do that. Dogs. Yeah. Right. I'm down to do that. So tell us about the beat. All right. Um, well, first of all, the beat is something I'm super excited to talk about all the time. So you guys will probably have to interrupt me to get me to stop talking about it. Um, but the beat is a daily rundown. It's highly circulated, um, goes uh, all across the country to uh, tens of thousands of influencers um, where we spotlight the intersection of people, politics, um, people of color, politics and policy. Um, and, you know, we did this because there really wasn't a space for it. So, you know, we would read other uh, daily newsletters and rundowns. And a lot of communities of color felt invisible because a lot of us would have a conversation in the morning about everything that we read in all the other platforms. And then we'd have a separate conversation about all the things that we didn't read. Um, and it just was something that brought together, you, you listed all the places I worked. And this really brought together all the things that I've been doing over the past 20 years um, to create this platform. And, and honestly, you guys, I'll tell you, I really created it just for us here in D.C., just for people like us to sit around and, and read and talk about what our colleagues were doing. And how I knew that it um, was gaining traction is because I put something in about uh, Sandra O, oh, the actress, in 2017. It wasn't this year when um, she had 
broken some other record, but it was in 2017 when she mm-hmm. had won some award. And I said that she was the first Asian American to win this award. And some studio exec, I don't remember who it was, Warner Brothers or Paramount, and they emailed and said, hey, you said this and this isn't quite accurate. Another actress won this award before. And I was so upset and I was telling my team, you guys, we got this incorrect. This is a major deal. And they said, Tiffany, a Hollywood studio exec is reading our stuff. You're burying the lead. <laughs> and so I did have to take a minute. Like, Wow. Um, but we also do like policy. And so, you know, the Congressional Hispanic Caucus had um, written a letter to the um, president of Greyhound um, that they were allegedly working with ICE and allowing people to come on and check IDs on their buses. And so we wrote about it. And then again, the next day I heard from the offices at Greyhound saying, whoa, we responded to their letter. And, you know, here's our statement on it. And it made me realize there was a space for this. We have a voice. Our words have power. Um, so we're really not just sharing the news with people. We're building a community of funders and voters and influencers and government relations professionals and local and federally elected officials um, who are eager to be activated. So it's a nice community space, uh, and it makes what happens here in the Beltway less intimidating, I think, for people outside the country, um, or outside the uh, Beltway, rather. And, um, yeah, it, it welcomes people into the process. I, I'm happy for people to get engaged. I just want them to be informed first. Right. So we try to help uh, inform them. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm a subscriber. Thank you. I love reading it every morning. And if those listening are not subscribers, I hope they will subscribe. How do they subscribe? They can go to our website, www.thebeatdc.com. Um, they can also follow us on Twitter, at The Beat DC. They can like our Facebook page uh, on Facebook, uh, which is also at The Beat DC. And they can follow me. Um, I'm at Tiffany D. Cross on Twitter, and I tweet out the daily newsletter every single day. And so how, uh, I mean, there's a lot of content in the newsletter. I, uh, you know, there's a lot of things you pack in there and it's not just Paul. I mean, you kind of, you know, you have like a variety of issues you tackle. How long does that take? And when do you wake up to start putting it together? Well, waking up would assume I go to sleep, which, you know, (laughs) I'm I'm just wired all the time. I, I really sleep about four or five hours a day because it is as soon as we hit send on one beat, we start the, the next day's beat. And, you know, there isn't, it isn't just politics. I mean, we certainly try to wrap people, um, wrap what people need to know and what they want to know. Um, because, you know, we all consume the minutia of what happens here in the Beltway. But mm-hmm. honestly, people outside who are just paying their mortgage and dropping kids off at school and living their lives. Know, exactly. And living normal lives and, you know, not watching C SPAN all day. Um, <laughs> those folks don't necessarily, stuff that's major news to us, it's not necessarily major news um, outside of our um, circle here. Sure. And so we do at times um, have to, you know, wrap a policy coming out of the FCC from Ajit Pai in a story about Beyonce, you know, because that will get people to notice. But really, you guys, if you're a political novice or a political connoisseur, I mean, there's something here for you. I think even those of us who are consumed by what happens here, you still learn something um, in the beat. We still try to give a perspective that you won't get anywhere else. So uh, it's about a, it will take you 15 to 20 minutes to read it. It takes us 15 to 20 hours to put it together. Um, but it's a labor of love. I'm exhausted. I haven't slept since I think the Obama administration, but I, I, I really, I love it. Um, I, I have no complaints. I, I'm killing myself doing it. But every time somebody says, I, I didn't know this, or someone tweets me and says, this is like a news buffet. I don't even know where to begin. Um, and it just shows the dynamic things that communities of color and leaders of color are doing. I mean, we highlight leaders in the Asian American, Latino, African American, and Native American space. And given that this is the most diverse Congress the country has ever seen, the main question I get is, why hasn't this ever existed before? Like, right. what took this so long? So it is right. my 
not only my honor um, to do this work, but I also feel like it's my responsibility and I take it very seriously. And uh, I'm just, you know, always excited to talk about it and happy to have this platform and happy to, to share it with the tens of thousands of people. I'm hoping that we'll cross the 100,000 um, mark uh, in Q2 um, of this year in the second quarter. Um, and we're well on our way. So I'm sure you guys are going to go and tell your friends and tweet about it. And oh, yeah. Of course we okay. are. Good, good, good. We're yes. going to push that out with this podcast. I love yes, it. Yes, we are. Excellent. Yes, we are. Well, Tiffany, tell me about a story or a piece that you wrote or that somebody else for the beat wrote that really stood out to you. Obviously you guys are producing a ton of content every single day, but what is something that was very memorable to you that you also felt had a major impact or maybe you heard from some of the viewer, I mean, from some of the recipients of your newsletter, like what, sure. give me an example of something. Um, I have many. So I'll, I'll give you the first one that popped in my mind. Um, not that this is the best one or, you know, the most impactful, but it's just one that uh, I recall making a, a difference. And that is um, a candidate out of California, Amar Campa Najjar, uh, worked in the Obama administration. And he, you know, was considered an underdog and wasn't very well known in D.C. Um, this had nothing to do with us covering him, but he happened to be very attractive. Uh, it always uh, <laughs> helps. Always helps. So every th- I noticed that every time we put a picture of him in the beat, it got a ridiculous amount of clicks. <laughs> Fascinating. And, yeah, nobody knew anything about him, but they liked his photo. Um, mm-hmm. And he was just a unique historic candidate. He was a Latino Arab, uh, you know, an o- Obama appointee running against an incumbent, Duncan Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just surprised me that so many people started to take an interest in this race. And so uh, he had come to D.C. to do a round of fundraising. And obviously we had talked about his candidacy. And we met him um, at an event that uh, uh, a progressive here through Robert Rabin, uh, who runs a progressive firm here. Mm-hmm. Through, um, I know Robert. Yes. So mm-hmm. he was there and uh, I introduced myself and, you know, told him a little bit about what I do. And he's like, oh, my gosh, everybody keeps telling me they heard about me <laughs> in the BDC. Wow. Like how people heard about him. And so I was excited because I really thought he was going to take that election. Um, and he came really close. I we mean, all did. I yeah. mean, Duncan Hunter, are you kidding under me? indictment, Good blamed Lord. his wife. I'm, Google right. the story if you don't have time. But it was kind of crazy that he didn't. But the Republicans are having a lot of trouble in California. And so we thought that, you know, his campaign had the wind at his back. But he's not deterred. He's already announced his campaign for 2020. Right. And I think, you know, second time around that it happened for him. Uh, another quick candidate that um, I think people kind of perceived as an underdog was Ayanna Presley, mm-hmm. uh, first black woman to represent uh, yep. Massachusetts She's in Congress. Um, we had been covering her since she was just thinking about a run when she was uh, on the council uh, in, in Boston. And so um, she heard about us because we were covering her. And, you know, long before she was in Congress, she was showing us love and we kept in touch with her and now she's you know a member of of, of congress um so those kind of stories definitely you know give me inspiration to keep doing this and we still keep track of um obviously uh our forever flotus and potus uh barack michelle obama i mean they're still very active and engaged um citizens in this country they're doing a lot of great things in the entertainment space in the private sector um they just announced uh two heads of their studio um, program that they're doing with netflix Uh, Michelle Obama just announced that she's going to be doing a partnership with YouTube, um, Mm -hmm. hosting a show they have uh, called BookTube. But really, if we just wrote a story and said Barack and Michelle Obama woke up this morning and had tea and crumpets, it would get like 10,000 clicks because people love to hear what they're doing. I think everybody's nostalgic for that era, to be quite honest. They really are. They really are. Yeah. Uh, What are the issues that your readers are asking you to cover more and talk about more, opine more? What's out there that 
you know, is yeah, it's, going underreported by the mainstream media. So everything in our platform is all things underreported. These yeah. are the headlines that, you know, there are headlines. So give me like two or three. Else. Yeah. Um, well, first, to answer your first question, mm-hmm. I think people sometimes mistake me for Google because people will tweet me or email me or Facebook me all the time. Um, they think that we have, you know, because I will respond and <laughs> engage with people when they say, hey, can you, um, do you have any idea what Linda Tripp is doing now? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not Google. You know, like I'm not a research <laughs> service. Like I have no idea what she's doing now. Right. Um, but the things that people um, want to talk about <laughs> is always um, the resistance they don't necessarily use those terms, but like what the Democrats are doing to combat the Trump administration. And I think, you know, this is a president who gets a lot of attention and he can just decide to, to tweet something and it becomes a breaking news banner. And I think people have become a little desensitized to that. And they're more curious about um, what people are doing to address it. And they will specifically ask about the tri-caucuses. You know, um, the, I get the most questions about the Black Caucus, um, even though the... Um, uh, Congressional Hispanic Caucus is doing a lot of work. KPAC, um, the caucus that represents Asian Americans, um, and even the Native American Caucus. I mean, everybody's doing something, but people will consistently ask me, well, what is the um, Black Caucus doing? Which I'm happy to address those questions because there is this misnomer that the Hispanic Caucus um, represents all Hispanic people of the country and mm-hmm. that the Black Caucus represents all black people of the country. And that's not how it is. Some of their districts are majority non-people of color, not right. non-ethnic people. Exactly, They're there to represent their district. Um, and they are a coalition of, of leaders in the legislative body. So I'm, I'm happy to kind of, you know, break down um, complicated <laughs> government speak and, and what happens here to make it more digestible for people across the country. Isn't Didn't Trump think that only yeah. CBC members represented black people? He asked April I'm Ryan sure to um, set Yeah, he has April Ryan to set up a, a meeting <laughs> with them because obviously April hangs out with them on, on the weekends. As, as, as we all I, okay, maybe I'm wrong meetings. about actually what the specific <laughs> thing about representing only black people, but he... <laughs> well, I, I remember think, the you know, Ryan his first job in government is as president of the United States. So he had a tough learning curve. And there was a lot of conversation about when he asked April Ryan that question. I don't think he to this day understands what the Congressional Black Caucus does, but I don't think he understands what the president of the United States does. Right. <laughs> so he has a lot of learning to do. Mm. Right, right, right. Um, so if you were to um, if you right now, which candidates are sort of picking up most of the heat with your readers. So Kamala Harris, for sure. And I I will tell you why um, I I feel that way. She definitely had a lot of attention even before she ran for Senate. Mm -hmm. She was a historic candidate in California already. Um, People were intrigued by her. Now, there were a significant amount of people who didn't know who Kamala Harris was. I think that's another um, misunderstanding that we have in the Beltway because, again, we watch these things. But, I mean, there were some college campuses, you know, last year, if you go and ask, what do you think about Kamala Harris? People would say, who is that? Um, Dr. Jason Johnson, who I hear on TV with sometimes, he has his class. Um, and more people knew Stacey Abrams than they did Kamala Harris. So I, I don't want to give the impression that she's this household name. She still has work to do to, to, to build up, um, you know, some of the work that, that she's doing. But people adore her. Um, our, our readers typically do. She's another person who we can put out information about and people are, you know, 100% going to click on it. Mm-hmm. I, I said something. I was on um, MSNBC recently and I said that she does have a black man problem and I, I want to say what I, I meant by that um listen sexism exists among everybody okay black right. men are not exempt from that and black men 
uh, some black men are certainly an issue. You know, there were, I think, 12 percent of black men voted for the Republican Brian Kemp over Stacey Abrams in Georgia. That's an issue. Unbelievable. Um, right. And and there are some um, black men. There are some black men who have their issues full stop, period. That's mm-hmm. their problem, yep. not hers. Separate and apart from that, um, there are some black men who want to be tapped. And there are some black men who question her record as a prosecutor in California. There are some people who, whether rightfully or not, think that um, her prosecutorial record disproportionately impacted them. So my only Mm -hmm. point was, um, we've all worked in politics before. If you're having a challenge with a a voting block, you need a surrogate. You know, (laughs) get a strong surrogate to go out there and help tell your story. She doesn't have to convince me that she'd be a great president. She has to convince other people. And I, my readers, when I tell you I was getting over 2,000 mentions, uh, emails, oh. I, it was re- because there is a Kamala movement out there. And people were really upset because they felt like I was saying she needs a, a black man to come validate her when I said that she needs a validator, you right. know, which we use that term frequently. Sure. It's like a surrogate. Of right. course. And, and and by the way, that goes for anybody running for president, running for the Senate, running for right. any elected office. If you have a if you have a problem with a certain constituency in that problem with that certain constituency might impede you from That's winning, right. you know, short of them, you know, just being, you know, the type of people who are never going to support you, you got to figure out a way to work. Of course. Again, and that's the point that you were trying to make, right? Of is course. that like you could have a surrogate out there who is validating on your behalf exactly. with a demographic or with a certain sector of voters who might have a problem with something that you've done in your past, whether it be decisions you made as prosecutor, whether it be a bill that you voted for, whatever it might be, um, you know, to, to, if, if she had trouble support. with environmentalists, I'd say she needs a, a strong green person out there telling her story. I mean, I would have said that about anybody. Um, but I actually was kind of excited to see all these people, this up for and outrage, because it meant that, you know, that she's making a difference and, you know, growing her, her um, presence across the country. So, you know, it's great. They didn't have to convince me, but I think it's, you know, good for her to convince other people. The other person that I think is completely... Um, does not get enough attention um, or discussion is Julian Castro. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. Like the media still has not learned its lesson, um, and I was really disheartened to see so much attention given to like Howard Schultz, for example. And I'm like, here he we got have... his own town hall on Why? CNN, and he hasn't been announced yet. It, this he was polls my at point. what two per? I mean, is he even at two percent? I doubt it. Right. I highly doubt it. And it was, you know, look, he has a right to run for president, but I'm just thinking, wow, we have a Latino male from Texas. Um, in 2020, interesting fact, Latinos will be um, <laughs> the number one voting block. They'll surpass African-Americans in terms of eligible voters, not registered voters, but eligible voters. And here we have this candidate who could potentially eclipse Beto in Texas if he were given half the attention that they pay to other candidates. Right. And even when he announced, um, every time Elizabeth Warren announced a, a few weeks after him, and it was all this conversation, Elizabeth Warren, the first person you know to announce exploratory mm-hmm. committee, and it was like, whoa, not so fast, Julian. Castro announced a few weeks prior to this. Yet again, the media is determining who should be who warrants click, you know, a, a spike in ratings sure. instead of looking at this slate of diverse candidates um, on the left side of the aisle. So I'm really disappointed he doesn't get enough attention. But we certainly highlight his campaign. Um, all the candidates, which I really appreciate, have uh, very diverse teams. 
all of their teams always uh, reach out to us. Anytime somebody hires a person of color, every presidential campaign is reaching out to us. Hey, that just so good. you know, right. we hired a campaign manager who's Asian American. Or just so you know, we hired a black woman to do our uh, communications. I mean, we highlight that kind of thing because it matters. It, it does matters. matter. Yeah. And it does it's been, matter. And, you know, all of us have, you know, I think are have been strong supporters of increased diversity, both on campaigns, in the consulting world, on the Hill. Uh, right. Because if 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 you don't have, and not just diversity for the sake of diversity, but also diversity at senior level positions, people who are making decisions, who are controlling budgets, right? right. Because how do you, how can you represent a state or this country if you don't have a you know if you don't have a staff that looks like this this That's country? That's right, absolutely. And I I I think that the campaigns are doing a much better job than they have in the past. I think that. The other thing that I appreciate is that they are campaigning, most, many, most of them um, are campaigning now for the black vote That's and right. for the, you know, and for the Hispanic vote. Yeah. Typically, we've seen in years past that it's much later on. And now we're seeing that folks are going to South Carolina, that they are, um, that they're going on the breakfast club, that right. they're, you know, that they're talking about issues like reparations or uh, criminal justice reform. The wealth gap, housing, I've been really impressed with uh, Elizabeth Warren's yeah. commitment to talking about some of these issues in a way that isn't just pandering. It's actually she 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 really does absolutely care about it. And she talks about it in front of white audiences. Yes. And she has a record of doing that. Yeah. And so, you know, but I'd love your thoughts on sort of, how, sure. you know, I mean, how, how what are you seeing on in terms of how these how these candidates are, taught, you know, both dealing with diversity but also talking about issues of, of importance to people of color. Yeah, I, I think you you nailed it, Doug. And and to be honest with you, I, I think um, we've been here a long time. I think the rest of America had to catch up. You know, the demographics in this country um, are changing. I think we're seeing a lot of um, white angst around that from this, you know, party that's increasingly older and, and, and comprised of mostly white men. Um, and there is a lot of pushback. And so you know, I think the last election cycle um, helped the rest of America realize um, that we have to redefine what electability means. Too often people define electability as appealing to um, white swing voters. And that's just not true. I think we have to start uh, broadening that definition. And maybe electability means, um, uh, uh, you know, who can get out and mobilize communities of color and who can get out and mobilize. Is there swing people. voters? Absolutely. I mean, this, cycle, this election, uh, particularly in the primary, you know. There's no, I, I think no one, I don't think anyone knows at this point where black voters, where brown voters, Absolutely. where Asian voters are going to go. Uh, right. And it's, and the the notion that black voters are just going to go support Cory Booker or Kamala Harris because they happen to be black. It's I think insulting is, and it's wrong. Ins- totally wrong. <laughs> I think there are other candidates out there that could, that could compete for black voters. That's we right. We see that with Joe Biden in particular. Listen, if Joe Biden gets in this race, it's it's going to be uh, a challenge because he has deep roots in South Carolina. That primary could easily be split. That's a sizable share of African-American voters there. And then he brings that Obama nostalgia. Right. Um, so I, I think you make a really good point there. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just happy that people are making these things as a part of their um, campaign platforms mm-hmm. and that it's, um, you know, people aren't making the same mistake that they have in past uh, decades as, as, as we see um, not only Congress, but even in the private sector and, and, and communities are just getting more diverse. Um, though 2044 will be the year that um, the people of color become the majority, uh, 
when babies become the majority, I think it's 2025. So it's going to happen a lot sooner. And why shouldn't our government be more reflective? In the last election cycle, there were Native American communities that were key votes that could decide sure. races. There were Asian American communities all across this country that could decide races that made a difference. And so I, I really think 2018 was a wake-up call for some of these people saying, I need to engage these communities in a different way. And you can't go out and talk to people um, if you don't have anybody on your staff that looks like them or that can understand the issues that those communities are facing. Tiffany Cross, the beat, the curator. This one, is it over? No. I was no, going to no, say, no. that one so, is so quick. Here's ranking. what we're going to do. We're going to ask you to stick around for our next episode on okay. the Power 5 ranking. Love it. Happy to. And we're going to we're gonna uh, lay out where, uh, where all the candidates are. Okay. I'm excited about it. For Adrian Elrod, this is Doug Thornell. Thank you for listening to The Electables, and we'll see you next time.